bless him. We ought to thank him. Well, God dropped a word in my spirit several weeks ago. And I thought, God, are you sure this is what you want me to preach on Easter Sunday? I thought I knew better than God a few weeks ago about what, what should be preached today. But he let me know that I don't know better than him. How many want to hear the word that God has for you today? I want to hear what God has to say. And with that in mind, I encourage you to get your Bible and turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And as you're turning, elbow your neighbor, tell him it's still turnaround time. Oh, yes. It's still turnaround time. 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let's start at verse number 55. O death, where is your sting? O hell, O Hades, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. Somebody say, thanks be to God. <laughs> but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we come to this most important part of our time together. It is the time that we quiet ourselves. We humble ourselves. We gather around your feet. We want to hear what you have to say today. I ask, Lord, that as I preach your word, that it would fall on ears that are open and attuned to hear. The word would fall on hearts that have already been prepared by your Holy Spirit to receive this word. You're sending it with an assignment today, as you always do. And I pray that what it has been assigned to accomplish, that that would be accomplished without any hindrance, without any barrier, with no boundaries. Let us be completely open to what you have to say. And we give you all the praise and all the glory and all the honor. We thank you for your great word that is living. We pray it in Jesus' name. Come on, everybody, say amen. Four friends were talking about death one day. And one of them asked the other three, When you are in your casket and people are mourning you, what would you like to hear them say about you? The first man said, I'd like to hear them say, I'm a fine physician in my, I was a fine physician in my time and a great family man. The second fellow said, I'd like to hear them say, I was a wonderful husband and a great school teacher who made a huge difference in the children of tomorrow. The third man simply replied, I'd like to hear them say, look, he's moving. <laughs> One thing is certain today. Well, they actually say there's two things that are certain in life. What are they? Death and taxes. 
Well, we just settled the matter of tax season. At least, I hope you did. You got a little bit of grace, didn't you? Wasn't that nice of Uncle Sam to extend just a three-day grace period for us? Two things are certain in life, death and taxes. I don't want to talk to you about taxes today. There's something else that God wants to say. I want to talk to you about death. What comes after life? Death. Death comes after life. We are in a series that I've entitled, It's Turnaround Time. And we have been seeing how God is turning things in our hearts, in our minds, in our lives, in our world. God is turning things for us. I want to focus on the turnaround that came in the afterlife. After life comes death. We are born, we grow, we learn, we, we talk, we walk, we go to school, we get jobs. Some of us get married and we have children. We live. And we do all the things that living people do. But after all the living is done, ladies and gentlemen, death comes. Make no mistake about it. Everyone in this room is going to die. And there's some visitors right now saying, why did you invite me to this service again? <laughs> Hang with me. Just hang with me, please. I'm not trying to be morbid today. I'm not trying to be depressive today. But I must deliver what I felt the Holy Spirit deposit into my spirit several weeks ago. I must be obedient to the voice of God and to the message that God would give to you today. Everyone in this room is going to die. In fact, the Bible tells us we have an appointment with death. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 27 says, And as it is appointed for men to die once, and after this comes the judgment. Let me just say to you today, you want to be sure that you're properly prepared for judgment day. The only thing, I, I, I said a moment ago that every person in this room will die. The only thing that will cancel that appointment is the sound of a trumpet. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16, 17, and 18 say, For the Lord Himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Every person in this room will die save a trumpet sound. That's the only thing that will cancel your appointment with death. And only God knows when that appointment is due, God has a calendar in heaven. It includes the day of your birth, 
but it also includes the day of your death. And only God knows if we will be living when the rapture happens. I personally believe that I'm not going by the grave. I personally believe that I am going to be alive and present when the trumpet sounds and the dead in Christ are risen and then I will join those who are also living that are followers of Christ. But only God knows if that is actually going to be so. I may actually go by the grave. I might die. But I'm going to live as though I'm not going to die. I'm going to live as though I'm going to be raptured. If the Lord tarries, folks, the simple reality is we are all going by the grave. We're all going to die. No one knows when. No one knows where. No one knows how. But it is certain. Death is coming. Death is looming. Death is lurking. Death is looking. Everyone who ever lived before us died. There are only two people that ever escaped the hand of death, according to Scripture. Do you know who they are? Let me just quiz you on your Sunday school learning. Anybody know who the two are that escaped death's hand? Enoch. Enoch. Genesis chapter 5 and verse number 24. Look at this. And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Can you imagine going on a walk and just going to spend a little bit of time with God, and all of a sudden God says, well done, I like all that you've done, I like how you're living, I'm going to snatch you out of the earth, and you will escape death's hand. Enoch was one. Does anybody know the other? Elijah, yes, 2 Kings chapter 2 and verse number 11. Then it happened as they continued on and talked that suddenly a chariot of fire appeared with horses of fire and separated the two of them, the two of them being Elijah and his mentor Elisha. And Elijah, the Bible says, went up by a whirlwind into heaven. There's another good day for somebody right there. Today, folks, you might just hear the most unusual Easter sermon ever preached. It is certainly the most unusual one that I've ever preached. Today, I want to talk to you about death. I want you to see this today. I want you to imagine death as a person. Death is looming. Death is lurking. Death is looking. Death is coming. First of all, let's look at the birth of death. Have you ever thought about death being born? It is so. September the 7th in 1996... January 20th of 1998 and March 27th of 2000 will, for as long as I live, be three of the most significant dates in my life. 
2001. I was just corrected by my wife. They are the birth dates of my children. How many parents do I have here this morning? Proud parents. You should be proud. If God has blessed you with the gift of a child or with gifts of children, you should thank God. You really should. The good and the bad that comes with that, the difficulties and the ease that comes with that, when you boil it all down, it brings you great joy. What great joy Elliot and Butler and Daisy have been in our lives. And there's one that we didn't even get the privilege of naming. You see, death came before Elliot's birth and snatched away from us without even asking our permission. My wife miscarried our first child, didn't know if it was a boy or a girl, didn't have the chance to name this child. But one day, I'll see this child. What a glorious day, the day of birth for our children. I celebrate February the 25th, 1966, even though I was only three years old. Somebody was being born that would soon radically change my life. In another state away, Karen Dupler. Baby girl, born to proud parents. She would live her life and ultimately find her way to Springfield, Missouri, and our paths would collide, and our lives would forever be changed. I celebrate the day of that birth. Death also has a birth date. The birth of death, I think I found it, folks. I found it in Romans chapter 5, and verse number 12, and I want you to see this. Therefore, just as through one man, this one man we're talking about here is Adam. Just as through one man, sin entered the world and death through sin. And thus, death has spread to all men because the Bible tells us all have sinned. And there it is, the birth of death in a garden that God created for mankind to be perfect. Death was conceived in the temptation of Adam and Eve and birthed the moment they sinned. The parent of death is sin. The grandparent of death is Satan. So the day that Adam and Eve gave in to temptation and sinned, there was a bouncing baby boy born into the household by the name of death. You need to understand something today. Before the birth of death, the world was perfect as God intended this world to be. God created the heavens and the earth, and He created it perfectly. There were no thorns, there were no thistles, no pain, no travail, no labor in birth. The fruit of the land yielded itself willingly and abundantly. The human body was made perfectly to last 
throughout eternity. But death was born, and with the birth of death, everything changed. Death changed everything. He brought with him thorns and thistles, pain and travail. The human body immediately began to decay and to deteriorate. Make no mistake about it. Death has a birth date. Not only does death have a birth date, death has power. For those who are taking notes, I want you to jot this down. It is the power of death. First of all, death instills fear. Necrophobia, I found, is the fear of death, the fear of dying, the fear of being around death. Necrophobia. I also found that the fear of death is the greatest fear of all other fears. A lot of people afraid about a lot of things today. But statistics tell us the greatest fear of all in mankind is the fear of dying. This is the power of death. Death has power over us even before he comes calling. Just the very thought of when he might arrive. Just the very thought of how he might arrive. Just the very thought of where we might be when he arrives instills crippling and paralyzing fear. So many fear death. They fear their own death. They fear the death of loved ones so much that they're paralyzed. They're unable to function as God intended them to function. Why? Because of death's power instilling fear. Not only does death instill paralyzing fear into the hearts of men and women all around the world, it also wreaks total devastation. The power of death is annihilation. The power of death is Total devastation. Death comes devastating homes. Just ask someone who's lost a loved one in their home. Death comes and devastates a marriage. Ask the spouse who lost their loved one to cancer last year. Death comes and will devastate a school. Just ask Kennedy right across the street, a young lady by the name of Cindy Ramirez, 17 years old, simply walking to school. And in the twilight hours, in the wee hours of the morning when it was still dark, she was tragically hit and killed. Death came calling to a 17-year-old young lady devastating a school in its wake. Death comes and, and wreaks total devastation on entire regions, on entire cities. But the ultimate power of death is its ability to simply end life. When death comes calling, life is ended. 
It does so without permission. Death has never asked me. Death has never asked you. It usually does without warning, although there are some. And I say this, and I want you to understand the, the context in which it is said. Some have a gift in that there is some forewarning before death comes. I believe knowing that someone is dying, although it is difficult, although it is hard, it also can serve as a bit of a gift to prepare Spend the quality time that you would like to with that loved one. You see, death didn't ask on September the 2nd in 1978. Did not ask my permission. Did not send notice ahead of time. Death just simply arrived in North Terre Haute. And in the midnight hours, between midnight and 6 o'clock, Death came and took my mother. The night before, we'd been laughing. We'd been joking. We'd been watching, uh, oh, what's the show? Jim Garner. Rockford Files. We were watching the Rockford Files the night before. Rose, had I known had death given me just a little bit of notice, that day would have been different for me. I promise you that. But no warning. No permission. She was 39. I was 14. You think death doesn't devastate? Came in and devastated my family. My mother was gone. And it does so without regard to the consequences. I want you to see this tonight, today. I want you to see the power of death. In World War II, death came and 60 million lives were snuffed out. The Haiti earthquake, 316,000 lives taken by death. Hurricane Katrina came and took another 1,836 lives. The tsunami in 2004, 230,000 plus. They could not even count all of the fatalities at death's hand. September 11th, not that far in our history, almost 3,000 lives taken by the hand of death, just like that. How about more recently? Anybody remember the earthquake in Japan, followed by the tsunami? They're still counting, but the statistics that I found were up to and over 14,000 Lives. They're still counting. They're still finding, folks. Never mind starvation that kills 15 million every year. And folks, it's not just the masses. Death comes for one. 
Death even came for Jesus. Death came for Jesus. Jesus relented to death. He gave up the ghost and he hung his head and he died. Death is powerful. Make no mistake about it. But what a terrible way for us to leave here and go have Easter lunch, ending with the power of death. You know I'm not going to leave you here. Oh, I've got to bring you some good news today. Hallelujah. Listen to me today. Death is alive and relentlessly tracking down every victim, catching him, wrestling him down to the rod and the mire of the grave. Death is busy day and night, going to and fro throughout the earth, stalking his prey. See him lurking in the shadows today with the souls of men in his grasp. He is the terror in the night. He is not prejudiced, nor does he play favoritism. He swings his cold sickle on men and women, young and old, child and team. It doesn't matter your race, your creed, or the color of your skin. Death's icy fingers are reaching out to snatch the Caucasian, the African American, the Asian, and the Latino. Every tribe and every nation is on his hit list. See him riding the winds. Hear him screaming in the night for the body and soul of mankind. Death is alive today. But death will not always be alive. There is coming a day when death will die. Let's talk just for a few minutes before we leave here this morning about the death of death. Isaiah chapter 25 and verse number 8 says, He will swallow up death forever, and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. The rebuke of His people He will take away from all the earth, for the Lord has spoken. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse number 26 says, The last enemy that will be destroyed is death. I want to bring you good news today, folks. Jesus died and he was buried in a borrowed tomb. But after three days in the grave, he turned around. Somebody say it's turnaround time. Hey, he was buried. He died and he laid there for three days. He was descending into hell, but he turned around. Hallelujah. And when Jesus turned around, he turned death around. He turned the afterlife around in that very moment. On the day that Jesus arose from the grave, he conquered death. And that is the day death died. Revelation 1.18 Jesus said, I am he who lives and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore, amen, and I have the keys of hell and of death, hallelujah. 
Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 15 go on to tell us he has disarmed principalities and powers. He has made us a public spectacle of death and triumphed over them. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians, our text here today, verse number 50, 54 of, of chapter 15, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your sting? Oh, hell, where is your victory? The sting of death is sin and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord and through our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are happy today that death has died, I want you to give God the very best praise that you could possibly give Him today. Death is defeated. Death is defeated. Hey! Come on, somebody. Death is defeated. Death has no more power. When Jesus arose, he conquered death. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Hallelujah. Oh, I read your thoughts right now. Some are thinking, well, that's great, Pastor, if you're Jesus. Well, that's legit. That's valid. I mean, we're talking about Jesus here. The Son of God. All-powerful one. He is able to rise victorious over death, but you're not Jesus. I'm not Jesus. Well, here's where it gets really good, and Pastor Moses, you might want to play behind me to push me along in my conclusion. Hmm. You see, I found Jesus talking to Martha one day about her brother Lazarus, who had died. And they tried to get word to Jesus, and they said, Jesus, if you'll just hurry up and get here, uh, he won't die. And if he does die, you, you could raise him back up. But four days went by. I mean, four days. That's a long time for somebody to be dead. They went ahead and buried the guy. He was already wrapped up in the grave clothes. He was already starting to rot. He was already starting to stink when Jesus finally showed up. Martha and Mary and all the rest of the crowd thought Jesus was late, but Jesus is never late. Jesus is always just right on time. Hallelujah. Jesus showed up right on time. And in John chapter 11, look at this in verse number 23. Jesus said to Martha, your brother is going to rise again. And Martha said to him, well, I know that. He's going to rise again in the resurrection. And at the last day, she didn't quite understand. I wonder how many times we just don't quite understand what Jesus is trying to say and what he's trying to do. And Jesus said, no, 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 lady. Listen, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And he who believes in me, though he die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? And this, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, this is how death dies for us, by simply believing in Jesus and asking him to come into our life and be our Lord and be our Savior. So you see, this really isn't a sermon about death at all. This is a sermon about life, about life that doesn't end. Life everlasting. 
John 6, 47, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me has everlasting life. Do you believe? I'll ask you what Jesus asked Martha. Do you believe? It's the only way, folks, that any of us will get to heaven. Death may come very soon for some. Don't know. Again, I'm not, I, I'm not trying to be morbid. I don't want to scare anybody. It's not the goal at all today. It's a simple fact. Death could come for any one of us at any time. You know, I've done funerals for, I think, every decade represented. I've done funerals for babies. I did a funeral for a five-year-old young man that died of cancer. One of the hardest ones. I've buried those in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. The only one I have not done a funeral for is anybody over 100. My point is, you don't know, I don't know. We just have to be ready. And so then, what is death at that point? Nothing to be feared. If you're a follower of Christ and you have decided to believe, as Jesus said, he who believes in me, even though he does die, he really doesn't die. He gets to live forever. So what is death? Death is the chauffeur. <laughs> oh, I don't know if you got that or not. Death is the cabbie. Death is just how we get to our eternal living. Death comes. Richard, I'm ready. I know you're ready. Death came for your mother not very long ago. She lived her life. And when death came, there's nothing to be feared. It was actually a wonderful, wonderful experience. She was ready. Are you ready? I want you to bow your heads. Are you ready should death come? Should death call? Should death knock? Should death arrive? I don't want you to fear death. I just want you to be ready. It's frightening how, how much of our society believes that when you die, that's all. There's nothing after. Much of our society believes that today. There's another good portion of our society that believes goofiness. They believe erroneous thoughts after death. You might, let's say... Become a cat after you die. I know it's crazy. It's another life, see. You might not be a human. You might be a cat. Or you might be a dog. 
Can you imagine if you were a cat and your, your spouse was the dog? It's kind of crazy. It's goofy. I don't know why it's so hard just to believe in an almighty creator that's full of love, that wants to help us. Why do we have to run from that? <laughs> Let's just believe it. I don't understand it all, Art. I really don't. I do have questions. I've got I to gotta be honest. I don't have it all figured out. But I believe it. Angie, I've, I've decided I'm going to believe it. Why not? I believe it. So I rest in that. If you're here today and you're uncertain of your destiny and of your future, and should you die, you don't even know if you would go to heaven, but you want to rectify that today by believing in Jesus Christ. I want you to lift your hand. Everybody's head's bowed. Just lift your hand. Thank you. And put it right back down. Come on, all over this sanctuary. Thank you. Come on, I'm looking up in the balcony. Is there anyone? Thank you. Anybody else? Slip your hand up. You can put it right back down. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, slip your hand up. Today's the day of salvation. Be properly prepared. Thank you. Make sure. Don't just cross your fingers and hold your breath. You're not making a wish on a, on a birthday cake today. You better know that you know that should death arrive, you are going to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. Come on and lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to make sure today. Yes, yes. Hallelujah. Everyone standing all over this sanctuary. Everyone standing. I want you to repeat this prayer after me. There are a good many folks who've lifted their hand. I don't know if this is a first-time decision or a, a recommitment. All I know is the Holy Spirit has dealt with the hearts of men and women and some students here today. But as I said on Good Friday, I just think it's a good weekend for us all to renew our commitment to Christ. So I'm asking everybody to pray this prayer with me. Let's bow our heads. Dear God, Heavenly Father, I thank you today for your presence in this room and your presence in my life. I realize, I recognize that you are real and I need you. And so I gladly Accept your gift, the gift of everlasting life, by accepting your Son, Jesus Christ. And now, Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, come into my situation, come into my circumstances. I confess you as Lord, and I ask you to be my Savior. I've done wrong. I've made mistakes. I've sinned. And I need you to forgive me. Forgive me of all my sins. And help me from this day forward to live a life that would please you. To let other people know about you. 
pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 And folks, if you prayed this prayer for the very first time, or it is a recommitment, I want to know about this. I'm going to be lingering here at the front of this sanctuary with my other pastors and my elders are going to come. We want to know about this and we'd like to actually pray with you personally as well. We'd be happy to answer any questions that you have. But I am so very, very thankful to have you here with us today. All of our guests, all of our friends and family of other family members, we're happy to have you here today. And we pray God's richest blessing on you on the rest of this Easter Sunday. Also, I want to let you know all of the flowers that are here. The choir is selling these. You don't have to go to Home Depot or Lowe's or anywhere. You can't even go to Target anymore. They closed down the, the garden center. So we just wanted to be the garden center for you today. I want you to come and get some of these great hydrangeas and some of these lilies and put them in your garden. So uh, if you'd like to, we've got some people here that would be happy to sell you. God bless everybody and have a great, great rest of the day.